every first of the month. Isn't that exciting? So last week I preached on your sins, so this week we're going to preach on their sins. How's that sound? Does that sound good? <clears throat> How's everybody this week? Good? Hey, I'll say a couple quick things. Our, that Wednesday night is a flat-out blast. Um, we've gotten several several visitors from it, and uh, they, they seem to keep showing up, so that's always good. And uh, if, if you think, oh, they're three weeks into it, it's too late. No, nah, we'll get you caught up pretty quick. In fact, a lot of the hard work's done on the guys' end. I don't know what the ladies have been doing. I think they just kind of got to sweating last week, didn't you? So you won't miss much with them and with us. We'll get you caught up with power tools, so you'll miss a lot of the hard work. Wade, I think it was, or Wyatt, Friday, said, my fingers, my fingers are sore. What, what my, I said, from sanding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've been working hard. Um, all right, well, let's look at First Peter chapter number 4. And uh, remember last week uh, we were supposed to get four verses and we, we only got to two. So that happens. It happens sometimes. It happens. Uh, I Actually, last uh, Sunday night, uh, I, I like our fifth Sundays and, and man, I usually just feel like going home and taking a nap and it like just ah, done. But uh, I ran into some folks a while back and they said, you used to come to our church on fifth, when you had those fifth Sundays. Why don't you do that anymore? I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, I normally just want to go home and take a nap and relax and be done with it. So I went there last Sunday, and then they said, would you, would you preach for us? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we got done with three and four there, so they were, they were maybe better behaved. I don't know if that's what it is or, or not. But uh, So we're going to uh, three, four, maybe five and six. We'll see how that goes. Uh, this week, and uh, we're going to have some fun with it. You ready to have some fun? There we go. I think, I think that's why it went so much quicker there. They, they helped me. They encouraged me. They got, they, I got some amen, some lively, lively, lively bunch there. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it was. Well, we're going to pick up in verse number one, and I, I got to my different Bible this week, so I, don't, I hope that don't mess me up too much. The font's all different. Spacing's all different. It's weird. I don't think one of the kids tried to hide mine because they knew we were, they were going to be up here this week, and I think they tried to hide my Bible to see if that would shorten us up, but no, not so much. Well, let's look at verse uh, number one in chapter number four. I've been preaching through the book of First Peter here for some time, and uh, we're, we're over halfway there. We're, we're doing good. We're on the downhill slope, and uh, remember, we, uh, we got to one and two last week, and we're going to try and get to three and four, but we're going to read one through six now with high expectations and high hopes. That sound good? It's always, it's always good to aim high. I, I, what's what's the old saying? I'd rather aim high than miss, huh? That'll work too. <laughs> Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. That'll work. Let's 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 get going. Verse number one. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind that he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men but to the will of God. For the time past, our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when he walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, reveling, banqueting, abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them 
to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but, according, uh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us together, Lord, and we just pray that, uh, Lord, your Spirit would move in this place, that you would convict hearts, uh, Lord, that you would uh, encourage us. And, Lord, if there's someone in here this morning that's not saved, I pray that uh, you would show them their need for a Savior, Lord. I ask you to do all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, long week. Anybody else have a long week? I had several people come up to me and say, thanks for preaching at me last week. And I'm like, I, 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 don't, I, got a, I got a preacher friend of mine. He says, you just shotgun when you preach. You just aim and shoot. And if anybody's interested, we're going to be doing that this afternoon. Some of us are going to go shoot some trap. If the rain holds off, I just looked at the radar and, and it looks good. So I think, we'll, I think we'll get that in. We're going to shoot some traps. And that's what you do with trap, isn't it? You just like aim and pull and shoot. Is that, is that what you do? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't rifle preach. I don't pick on anybody's sin and let maybe Evan a couple times. But, I mean, you know, you got to every once in a while do that. But I, I, don't, I don't necessarily pick on anybody's sin because, like I said last week, I've got my own to deal with. I preach on myself way more than I preach on you. I've got plenty of preaching material just in my own life. And if I ever think I'm doing good, my wife will preach at me, and then I can just recirculate that here and, and get us all, right? <laughs> so, uh, but, but we looked at last week that Christ hath once suffered for us, and, and that's the gospel in the book of Peter. We, we took that back to chapter that that is why Jesus Christ died on the to pay for our people, and that killed on that cross and that he was buried and that he was raised three days later and that's the gospel and by believing and trusting in that that's how we're saved it's no mystery it's no complication it's it's simple it's it's one of the simplicities of life i mean our our 401k you never know where that's going to go i mean that's complicated i, I don't i don't even under i don't have one i, I don't understand how it works i, I think christy's got one but what it's doing, we don't know. It's too complicated for me to think about. How a positive traction rear end works, right? It just does. That's complicated stuff. We don't need to worry about that. It just, it's complicated. Things are complicated in life, but our salvation is not. It's simple. But yet so many religions and denominations try to make it complicated, don't they? And they try to say, well, we've got it figured out and we've got it figured out. I'm here to tell you the Bible has it figured out. The only reason we have it figured out is because the Bible has it figured out and laid out for us. So it's, it's simple. It's simple. It's nothing that I can do. It's nothing that you can do. It's everything that Jesus Christ has done. And because of what He has done, that will enable us to be saved. So young people, youngins, kids, runts, squirts, whatever you are, it's that simple. You can't be good enough. And trust me, we know. <laughs> You, you can't go to church enough. I, it was so weird last Sunday night because that church, this whole side was full, and they were all white hairs. You know what white, blue hairs, sorry. They were blue hairs. And, and, then there, <laughs> and then there was like six teenagers on this side, and that was it. It was so, I felt like this when I walked out. <clears throat> and uh, it was such a split group. And um, 
talking about this sin, I felt like I just had to not look at those teenagers. <laughs> because I, I know kids and teenagers, it's sin. It's sin. That's what separates us not only from God, but from our parents. Am I right? And uh, I, I preached the same thing here I did last Sunday morning, and I had one of those teenagers come up to me after service, and he's like, he said, you don't even know me, but you preached all over me. I said, I, I had the same thing was told to me this morning. <laughs> and, and what is that? Because there's no temptation taken but such as common to man. We all deal with the same things. And, and when they asked me to preach last Sunday night, I thought, man, these blue hairs, they don't sin like I sin. But you know what? They said they did. <laughs> they, guess what? We all sin. We're all taken in by temptation of sin. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you're 8 or 80, we all sin. And I think sometimes we look, you know, we look to our parents and we think, oh, they, they don't sin. They, they're past that. They've, they've outgrown that. They, they don't, they, you know, or we look at our wife and we think, no, we don't think that, do we? <laughs> but we, sometimes we look at other people, or at least I do, and I think, they surely don't sin like I sin. They, they don't have problems and issues with this like, like I do. do. Do we think that way? Do we all look at other people and think, they can't be as wicked as I am? Or sometimes we look at somebody else and we think, oh, they definitely are, they're just as bad as, oh, they're, they're horrible. Like, they can't even be saved. It seems like there's never that medium. It's always one extreme to the other, isn't it? And, uh, but we have to remember this. It doesn't matter who, who we're talking to. Or, and when we look and we examine ourselves, we've all come short of the glory of God. And I feel like sometimes I just... I bring us down too much. Do I do that? But I, I just want us to acknowledge that we need a Savior. The first step, it's, it's almost like the 12-step programs have, have taken this out of the Bible. The, the first step is admitting that you have a problem. So in order to be saved, you have to recognize that you need a Savior. It's impossible to be saved if you don't think you need a Savior. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to His mercy He has saved us. That's exactly, we have to realize that it's not by us. Because if we can get to heaven on our own good deeds and our own merits, well then Jesus Christ had no reason to suffer and die in the flesh. But when we realize that He did that for me and He did that for you, that's where the love of Jesus Christ comes in. And we uh, looked at the, 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 the church of Pergamos there on our first study of the seven churches, and that is one of the complaints that Jesus Christ had about them, that they'd left their first love, that they had forgot of the pit that Jesus Christ drug them out of. And if you and I aren't careful, we can be saved for 10, 15, 30, 80 years, and we forget about the need that we had for a Savior if we're not careful. Now, if you've only been saved for a couple years, you're probably still good. You, you remember how wicked you are and have the capability, but if you're not careful, you can kind of, as we see and as we looked at last week, you can grow in the Lord. You'll never become sinless. Did you know that? There are people that preach that you can become sinless. You'll never become sinless, not in this flesh. It's, it's impossible. In fact, when I, when, and we know that, we... When we look at someone that thinks they're better than we are, but we see their shortcomings, we see right through it, don't we? What's the first thing we say? Hypocrite. <laughs> Hip hypocrite. You're no better than me. And I think if we can, especially in this church, we get that ideal that there's none in here that's better than anybody else. We're all wicked. Ain't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> We're all, we all deserve hell. Am I right? 
Yeah, because if the sin of disobedience, we're all guilty, much less all the other, the other sins, the sins of omission and the sins of commission that falls in our life. You start stacking those up, there's no hope for us except for Jesus Christ. So we have to keep that in the forefront of our mind. And if we don't, we'll become self-righteous. And that's what happens in a lot of churches. They look down their nose at people. And they forget that if it were not for the grace of God, we'd be in the same pit that they're in. Am I right? So we have to always humble ourselves. And when we look at the world, we're supposed to be out in the world helping others. It's, it's messy. It's messy. We, Christy and I went to a conference... I don't know, forget when that was, last spring, this spring, this spring. And the guy said something that stuck with me, and I thought, hmm. He said, the reason most churches don't want revival is because revival is messy. And I thought, huh, that's true. That's true. The reason most churches aren't as effective in the world is because to go out in the world, you get dirty. And we don't like to get our hands dirty, do we? We don't like to get involved with other people's problems, do we? We, we just like, ugh. That's not me. I don't, I, it's, it's yucky. It's, it's icky. <laughs> is it yucky or icky? Which is it? It's both. It's yucky and icky. It's, it's nasty. It's messy. Revival is messy. To go out with those that are, do, do you realize that the problems that our country has are not mentioned on the news hardly, especially on the national level? The, the problems and issues that our country have are never addressed on the news. The number one and the number two, well, there's lots of problems they don't address on the news, but they all stem from sin, and the sins that are an epidemic in our day are drugs. We, we know about it on a local level, right? I think, it was the, I think it was the Ohio City of Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. Their drug problem, their overdose problem is so high that they have reefer trailers at the morgue. They don't have enough storage for the dead bodies at the morgue, so they've rented reefer trailers to store them in. Is, you think that's a problem? That's probably a problem, isn't it? You know, I, I talk to Evan and guys probably the same way. They see it. <laughs> they witness it at work every day. Some of you that are nurses, you probably see it at work every day. Why don't you hear about it on the news? We, we don't hear, you know. We hear the big stories like the uh, maybe uh, uh, the ones that we hear about are well, they were a middle class, good job, and he's a pilot. One case sticks out from me last year, and they both OD'd. Those are the ones we hear about, what? you know, because it's shocking to people, but everyone should be a shock to us, shouldn't it? But we just, it goes in one ear and out the other. You know, I, I, I noticed something. <clears throat> I, I doesn't seem like I've been on Facebook that long, but I guess it's been a couple of years, that I see all the time missing. Share this. They're missing. Has anybody ever noticed those? And I guess I'm a creeper because I'm like, well, let's see if this is legit and go to their page and you look at it and it's legit. And I'm like, you see these kids that are missing and, and I just think the worst. I think the absolute worst. And what's being covered up is horrible. Absolutely horrible. I was telling Christy a little bit about it. If you just kind of want to study that out, and it's, it's just horrible. And she, was, she said, no way. I said, yeah. Political leaders are involved in that junk in our day and age. But it's not talked about. It's horrible. That, that, is, that is two major problems that are going on in our, our society today. And why is that? There's no value for life. We don't have a value for life. So if we don't have a value for life, 
we consider a precious life maybe a mistake and we can eradicate that mistake and that's the third problem that we have in this country with sin is abortion because it's not a life it's a decision that we oops so we'll just get it taken care of do, do you know how wicked that is for a society to condone that and to agree with that and to let that happen on a daily basis 65 million Americans are not present on in our country because of abortion that's a lot 330 million is our population that's a lot 20% of Americans are missing because we have no value for life you know who ought to have value for life it's those of us that for as much as Christ suffered for us in the flesh. We ought to know what life is worth. Jesus Christ knows what life is worth. He knows the value of life. He knows that that is the will of the Father, and that's what we talked about last week. <clears throat> that was last week's message. Let, let's, go to, let's go to verse number 3, and then we'll get going. For the time past of our life. Ooh, here it is. Remember, we're talking about the pit that Jesus Christ drug us out of. Verse number 2 said that he that shall the rest of his time, and that was what was kind of interesting last Sunday night visiting that church because the blue hairs and then the teenagers, it was so segregated. And I said this, I, I kind of went around just like I did here yesterday morning is all, or last Sunday morning is almost like a repeat. How, when, when were you born? When were you, they got you all beat. <laughs> Dad, listen, they had you guys buried. <laughs> there, there was a guy in there who was 90, I have my math right, 91. And I said, how, how long are you planning on living? He said, till I die. I said, amen. <laughs> and, and then over here, they were like 14, 15, 16. And, and, and something occurred to me, and I, had, I wanted to get it across here. I guess that was kind of the nice part about getting able to repeat a message because all the stuff that I forget, rabbit trail around and pick on Evan about here, I didn't have that there, so I got through everything. And the shame of it is, is we look at that extreme, the 91 and the 14, and they're such at opposite ends of the spectrum, but do you know what? The 91 could outlive the 14. And the 91 will live like he could die next week. And the 14 will live like they'll, they'll live till they're 91. We don't, we don't know how long we've got. So if you're 91, don't live like you're going to die next week. And if you're 14, don't live like you've got another 90 years. The rest of your time. See, that's what's important. We don't think about that. We, we just think about, you know, of course, <clears throat> gosh, am I almost 40? Am I almost 40? You'll get there before I, I will. <laughs> I, I'm almost 40 years old. Like you, you start thinking, this thing's half over. And I, when Cody turned 30, I thought we were going to have to have like lay hands on him and pray for him because he's like, I'm almost 30. Yeah. <laughs> if we're not careful, we'll start thinking, gosh, I'm, I'm almost 40. It's half over. I don't know that. It might be 99% over. I, I don't know that. Or it might just be getting started. Wouldn't that be something if I lived to be 160? Hmm. <laughs> well, we don't know how much time we have. The time that you have. That, that's what Peter's covering. And, and basically what, what he wanted to get across there, verse number 2, is for the past time in our life. Hey, get that behind you. Don't think about that. Don't think about the time in the past. 
Don't dwell on the things of the past. Think about it every once in a while so that you'll remember the pit that you came out of, but don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on the sins that you've committed before. The time that you have, look forward, right? Don't, don't look at what you've messed up. If I looked at everything in my life that I messed up, it wouldn't be worth leaving the house, would it? You'd be like, oh, I'll just mess today up like I did yesterday. I'm pretty good at screwing this thing up. I'll just stay home, just quit. This is, if we're not careful, we'll get in that mindset, won't we? No, he says, no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh. That's not what we're supposed to do, but the will of God. Keep going, verse number three. <clears throat> For the time past of our life may suffice us and have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, reveling, banqueting, and abominable idolatries. That's what our flesh wants. That's exactly what our flesh wants. Our flesh wants what? Fun. It's always greener on the other side. Isn't that right? You know, uh, uh, Moses even said there's pleasure in sin for just a season. And it'll catch up with us, won't it? Um, I, I, I kind of make fun and poke my own looks because <laughs> I do look older than what I am. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I don't. I, I, I don't live a life that was just nailed off here. But has anybody ever seen those pictures in the paper? I, I think Andrew shares them every once in a while, like the the who's at jail this month or whatever. <clears throat> anybody ever done that? If you're feeling pretty sorry about yourself, if you're looking in the mirror and you're like, gosh, I didn't used to be there. What is this? I was this morning, I said, <laughs> I said I'm going to have to start shaving all the way to my forehead if this keeps up. Now, don't tell me if you have to do that the older you get. I don't really want to look forward to that. But, I mean, I, I, you have to, Ethan, you have to trim your eyebrows when you get older. I don't know if you knew that. That's something for you to look forward to. Like, woohoo! I Like, you just... Look in the mirror. Like, I get out of the shower, the mirror's still all fogged up, and that's about as much time as I spend in front of it. I don't want to stand in front of it too long or I'll start feeling sorry for myself. Like, you look rough for 39 years old. But if you ever want to feel good about yourself, just go to the Warren County or Clinton County residence at the jailhouse and open that page up. And then find somebody that you went to high school with. Anybody ever done that? You'll be like, Man, I look pretty good. <laughs> I, I don't look bad. I, I did that a month or two ago. <clears throat> Pulled up that page and I'm like, I went to school with him or his dad. <laughs> what is that? This sin will take a toll on us, won't it? It will take an absolute toll on us. That's the cost of sin. We, uh, we, we talked briefly, it was supposed to be briefly in Sunday school this morning about the condition of the earth before this flood when they had um, not the effects that we have today. And hey, they, they lived long. Probably looked better. But their condition, their environment was, was different because God said it was very good when he put them in that environment. Hey, we live post-flood. We have an excuse for looking wrinkly and ragged and, and hairy, I guess. <laughs> because... It's the effects of our environment. And then you throw sin on top of that, and sin will wear you out. You know what I'm talking about. Sin is hard on us because our body was not originally designed to be involved with sin. And sin is hard. 
Sin's hard on your skin. Sin's hard on just an overweight. You know, that, 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 I don't know if it was him or his dad that I went to school with that was in jail. He was in there for drugs. He looked like a noodle. He didn't look like that when we went to school. What is that? That's the effects of sin. You ever seen somebody that's just drank their whole life? Their nose and their ears, they, they, they look rough, don't they? Their skin? Somebody that's smoked their whole life, they just look rough. They look rough. It, that's the effects of sin. Have I hit anybody last week yet? <laughs> hey, somebody's chewed their whole life, they got a tooth sticking out here, and they don't even have to open their mouth to spit anymore. It just shoots right out the tooth, right? <laughs> hey, that's the effects of sin. It, it, will, it will wear and tear on this body. That's the effects of sin. That's the cause of sin. For in time past, our lives may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. That, that's what Gentiles want, right? We're Gentiles. I think sometimes we, now, now in this, this church age, there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles, but I think we often forget, or we don't study it enough, that when God gave the Jews the law, it was mainly for hygiene, health, and wealth is basically what a lot of Leviticus is about. We studied it here on, um, I think this spring or summer, <clears throat> preacher was on a diet. So when a preacher goes on a diet, he has to, <laughs> he's going to use it to study, right? And uh, I learned a lot from it, um, how we can just be healthier by what we put in and put on and put out of this body and how we do it. And, and when those Jews that live by that law, when they came in contact with Gentiles, they looked at them as barbarians as filthy dogs, as vile and gross. <clears throat> now, we're still Gentiles, but when we're saved, do you know how we ought to look at those that are lost? The same way. Ooh, ah, that's filthy, that's gross. Who would do that? Because when you're in a pit wallowing around, you don't even realize how filthy you are. <laughs> My wife was cleaning yesterday, and uh, she's always asking me why our house is so dusty. Does anybody else have a dusty house or is it just ours? See, I told you, it's everybody's. It's everybody's, it's not just ours. She's like, why is this house so dusty all the time? She always asks me that question. <clears throat> and then, and then I'll, I'll stand up for her. And then she took the rug that's in our front door where I come in. I take, I take my boots off. I don't walk around the house with my boots on. She pulled that rug up on our hardwood floor and you couldn't tell that she pulled the rug up. <laughs> Whose fault's that? <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> it's, my, it's all the stuff I drag in, so it's probably my fault. But they all said their house is dusty too. <clears throat> so you look at a clean house, and then you lift up that rug, and it's filth. It's vile. It's disgusting. A am I right? When you're involved in that, I come home, and I don't even think of myself as dirty. I'm just like, oh, I stayed pretty clean today. I can kind of tell what color my pants are. <laughs> that's clean for me. It's because that's, that's what I'm used to. But then on a Sunday, I get all slickered up, and <laughs> I'm forbid to go outside in my church clothes. I'm just like our boys. Dun -dun 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 -dun. Change your clothes, because I can just walk through the shop. I can just walk through the barn. I don't have to do anything, and I'll come in, and she'll say, look at your pants. What? That, that's me. I don't even realize I'm getting dirty when I'm in the situation. <laughs> kind of a weird analogy, isn't it? But that's when you're involved with sin, 
you, you don't even realize how vile and filthy it is. You just get dirty and you just look at it and you're like, it matches the rest, doesn't it? Hey, if we're not careful, we'll go back to that hog and that wallow and we'll fall right back in that same pit because it's not vile and disgusting to us. If you have a problem with a sin, and I told you last week the best way to deal with it is pray for convictions. Anybody, done, anybody tried that this week? Did anybody pray for conviction? None of you took my advice. Mm. I have to do that this week. But here's another way to help you with sin. Look at what you're involved in, whatever that sin is. We, just, we, we hit one of my favorite chapters in Proverbs. We hit all the backbiters and all the murmurs and all the complainers and all the, the... See, I think sometimes we forget about the sins of the mouth and how vile and disgusting they can be unless we're on the receiving end. If you're on the receiving end, you know how disgusting the mouth can be. But I think sometimes we ought to put ourselves in Jesus Christ's position and be like, uh, is he pleased by the, the filth that comes out of my mouth? If Jesus was in the room with me, would I be doing what I'm doing? That'll help, that'll help your sin problem, wouldn't it? Hey, hey Jesus, he, oh yeah, we shouldn't be doing this. Because guess what? If you're saved, he's there with you. He, he knows what you're doing. You can't get by with it. You can't hide it. He, he knows exactly what you're doing. <clears throat> Let's look at verse number four. Wherein they, now here's where I want, if, if I haven't, if all the kids aren't asleep, this is where I want to, I'm going to preach at you kids. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot to speaking evil of you. I want you to think of before you were saved and now. Got that picture? You got pig pen over here, <laughs> filthy, vile, sinful, and then new Sam, shining, gleaming, clean and neat, perfect example of a Christian husband. Hey, if you remember those that you ran around with, <laughs> run around buddies. You got a run around buddy? Who you used to run around with when you were lost? is probably not the same ones you run around with today. Am I right? Those that you used to run around with when you were lost are not the same ones that you should be running around with today. And what does it say? Wherein they, those are the ones you used to run around with, think it strange that you run not with them. What happened to him? He used to be so much fun. Where'd he go? Oh, he got married. I bet that's what it was. No. Hey, oh, I had kids. I bet that's what it was. No. Still ran around with that. Oh. Got that religion. That's what lost people say. Am I right? Oh, he got, he got that religion. It's strange that he doesn't run with us anymore. And look. The same excess of riot speaking evil of you. Are they not your running buddies or your running friends? Now they speak evil of you. Hmm. And has anybody ever had that happen? If you haven't had that happen, you need to make sure that that happens. <laughs> That's what God wants to happen. I have experienced this firsthand. Well, I have experienced this secondhand. Because they said, you wouldn't believe what they said about you, what you used to do. Yeah. 
What is that making evil of you? They're trying to convince somebody else that you're right. Has anybody ever had that happen to you? Oh, he's your preacher. Oh, let me tell you what he used to do. Let, let me. T he's your preacher. That's your preacher. You go down there. That's, let me tell you a story about him. I, I've had this. I've probably had this happen more than I even know about. What is it? I don't run with them anymore, and now they're speaking evil of me. Mm, it's going to happen. Kids, it's going to happen. Hey, <clears throat> here's another saying for you to come up with, Cody. <laughs> You're known by those that you keep company with. Am I right? <laughs> this is so perfect. I love the Internet. <laughs> Has anybody seen all the pictures of this pedophile out in, in, uh, in, in uh, uh, Washington? And then they show all his Democratic buddies. And they got Bill Clinton, got his arm around him at a dinner, and then Hillary Clinton standing right there with, at the dinner, and then they got Chelsea Clinton's hanging out right with him at the dinner. And, and all that, they all hang together. They're, they're known by the company that they keep. Hey, you don't grow watermelons on an apple tree, do you? It, it doesn't happen. You, you don't grow grapes on a watermelon vine. It, it doesn't happen. You're known by the company that you keep. Am I, am I right? You guys are like, come on, help me. Help, help me. I need, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> You're known by the company that you keep. It's true. I, I was associated by the company that I kept more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> we were <t> <laughs> I was with a buddy of mine this week, and he said, oh, you remember him? I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I, hey, I hung out with that crowd. I didn't hang out with the the good kids, I hung out with the bad kids. And not that I was always the one in trouble, but I got in trouble with a lot of them a lot of the time. And why is that? They're, well, they're more fun. Am I right? Remember, there's pleasure in sin for a season. There's an there's a illustration, and, and it goes something like this. I think uh, Kent York, I don't know if you know him or not, but he uses it. He talks about a dish rag. And when you wipe your counter with that dish rag, it, it not only does it make the counter clean, but it, then what does it do to the rag? It makes it dirty. Am I right? You take a clean dish rag out of, the, out of the drawer over there by the stove. That's about the only drawer I know in the kitchen. And, and not that I clean a lot. That's <laughs> because I spill a lot of stuff. And, and you take it over to the sink, and you put nice, warm, soapy water on it, and then you clean your mess up, and then you leave it on the counter all watered up like I do. Does anybody else do that? <laughs> I just got the uh, Reese. <laughs> you, you water it up in a tight little ball, as tight as you can. You squish it out, and you put it on the sink and try to keep that perfect ball, and you think, Jessica is going to be so proud of me for putting that there. And then she said it does what? It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. That clean rag which has been hanging around that vile and filth, and you leave it sit there, and, and it'll stink. Hey, the same thing will happen to us. Am I right? With lost people that we hang out with. Just leave it all wadded up in a tight little ball, put it on the sink, and leave it there, and don't rinse it out, and leave it there on the sink. I'd be so proud of that. I'd put it right there where she can grab it. Perf fits perfect in the hand, and she can use it again. It's going to be so perfect. <laughs> You'll not make that mistake again. <laughs> we, we have been profitable at church this morning. None of us are going to do that anymore. <clears throat> I know you've, you've 
fold it on the edge of the sink so it can drip on the floor. That's what you do with it. Uh, but hey, if, if we're not careful, and kids, this will happen to us. If we're hanging out with the wrong crowd, that filth will come over on us. Hey, hey, big people, the same thing will happen to us. We're, we, it's impossible for us to say, hang out with saved people all day. Am I right? It'd be nice, I guess. <laughs> but we got to go to work. We've got to go to school. We've got we've to go to the wherever it is, whatever we do. And we're around lost people. And you know what? They fulfill the will of the Gentiles. And the will of the Gentiles will rub off on us. I was, <clears throat> it's been a couple years ago, but I was at, I think it was Frisch's. I was meeting a guy there, and he was running late. It's been three or four years ago. And there's some ladies talking behind me in the booth behind me. And I'm, I didn't have a smartphone back then, so what do you do? You just count the ceiling, you know, whatever you do. You've already, it's Frisch's, so I mean, you've already you had the menu memorized since you were a kid so you knew what you were going to get I didn't have a smartphone so I'm just like hmm, let's see what everybody's talking about <laughs> but anyways I was listening to this conversation going on behind me and this one lady was talking to this other lady just complaining about her husband and I'm like I don't sound too bad to me <laughs> and she was just well he does this and he does that and he blah 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 and she's going on and on and I'm just, I'm eavesdropping, I'll admit it. <laughs> How many of you have ever done that? Okay, we're all sinful in here, right? We're all, we're all nosy Nellies. So I'm eavesdropping, I'm listening to their conversation, and, and then she says, well, what do you think? And I'm like, sounds like, a, sounds like you're married to a man to me, congratulations. <laughs> if you didn't want that, you'd go be one of them other ones. <clears throat> but she's like, I'd leave him. And I'm like, oh. He sounds like a better husband than me. <laughs> well, I'd leave him. And they went on back and forth, and I, I was like sitting there like gripping the table like, should I say something? Should I stay out of it? And, and then, like, I'm still eavesdropping. And, and then she's like, once she heard the opinion of her friend, it's almost like something didn't click, and she's like, well, he ain't that bad. And I'm like, Good. But you know what? That's the advice the world will give you. I'd leave him. I'd leave him in a heartbeat. He left that dish rag all wadded up on the sink. I'd leave him. I would leave him over that. I would leave him. But, but that, what is that? That's the filth that we'll pick up if we're not careful. If, if we're around too much of that filth, it will affect us. Do you know that's why the Bible said washing by the water of what? The Word. Washing by the water of the Word. That's the only thing that will keep us clean. Washing by the water of the Word. I just, I sit there and I'm like, oh, don't listen to her, don't listen to her. She probably has a house full of cats and she already left her husband and I'm just sitting there thinking like, don't listen to her, don't listen to her. And Well, he ain't that bad. But, but that's, that's, that's the outlook that this world has. That's the opinion that this world has and it will drag us through the filth if we're not careful. And we have to wash ourselves with the water of the Word. Ah, got to hurry. Ah. Verse number five. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna speed this up. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God 
In the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, I guess we're supposed to go to the cemetery and preach to dead people. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe we should light candles for dead people. Maybe that's what that means. No? Maybe we should give money to the church for dead people. I know. Maybe we should get baptized for dead people. Maybe. You know, all those things is all what other churches and denominations do for dead people. Because they don't have the understanding of, what was that movie? I, I, I see dead people. <laughs> you guys are all so wicked and worldly. <laughs> that little boy, I see dead people. Hey, when we walk around, there, there, did you know there are two types of dead people? There are two types of dead people. There are spiritually dead, dead people, and there are fleshly dead, dead people. All the fleshly dead, dead people I can see. No, not that kind of fleshly dead, dead people. So you're like, hmm, wonder what kind of dead people I want to be, if you're wondering that. What's, what's, because there's a good kind of dead? <laughs> really? There's a good kind of dead, and there's a bad kind of dead. The good kind of dead is dead fleshly. And the bad kind of dead is dead spiritually. Uh, Adam and Eve was given a promise in the Garden of Eden. God promised them, he said, In the day ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. Got it. And then what did Satan tell them? You'll not surely die. No way. God's a liar. You'll not surely die. Okay. Oh, you're right. Adam, God's a liar. Here, try this. And they died on the inside that day. They, they died spiritually. That's a, bad kind of, that's a bad kind of dead. And guess what? Every one of their kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, were born dead on the inside. And we know it. When we're born, we know something's missing. And we try to fulfill that deadness with the lust of the flesh, with sin, with drugs, with porn with idolatry, with whatever, whatever we, we, this flesh wants, whether it's food, cigarettes, whatever it is, this flesh wants it, and we try to make our flesh alive. But guess what? We, we'll never do it. We'll never do it unless we're quickened, which means made alive by the Spirit of God. That's how we, that's how we are made alive. That's how we're born again. That's what that means, that we... We don't go back into our mother's womb. That's the question Nicodemus had. But Jesus said, no, you're born of the Spirit. We're born again. That's how we're made alive. We should act like it, right? We should really act like it when we come to church. We should act lively. But the being dead to flesh is a good thing. Well, what in the world does that mean? It means that we've killed off the desires of the flesh. And that's what Peter's talking about. We're no longer living under the will of the Gentiles, what the flesh wants. Idolatry, lasciviousness, excessive wine, railing. We no longer desire that, what the flesh wants. We don't live under the will of us. We don't live under the will of the Gentiles, but we live in the will of God. And you can only live in the will of God if you're alive inside. Remember Peter in, verse, in chapter number 1, he says that we have a lively hope. That's what that means. That means that we are alive and worth the drive. Isn't that the church saying? <clears throat> no, we're alive inside. We are different 
than other people. So when we're walking outside, or whatever that little kid's name is, I see dead people. That's what we ought to think when we see people. They're, they're dead inside. And if they're not born again, they will stay in that state for eternity. Nothing they can ever do will fix that. They must be born again. And the only way they can do that is through Jesus Christ. And if you don't tell them how that's going to happen, it may never happen. There was a young boy, a young black boy on the south side of Chicago. That's that big democratic city that Bozo's from that we don't hardly ever talk about. <clears throat> Where about uh, what, mm, almost 2,000 people are murdered every month. We don't hear about that statistic either, do we? That's shocking. That should shock us. We should hear that. on That statistic should run across the ticker on every one of our news channels every day. 18 shot dead in Chicago last night. <clears throat> but anyway, there was a young boy. He's 14 years old, and he wasn't living on the streets, but he was, it's a true story, bouncing around from couch to couch. He didn't have a mother. He didn't have a father. He was just bouncing around from couch to couch at the age of 14, which is common very common in Chicago. No father in his life, mother gone, bouncing from couch to couch. Typical, average Chicagoan. So in order to fit in somewhere, to fill that hole of death inside him, he got tied up with a gang. And a lot of Southside Chicago gangs, in order to join their gang, they either have to be jumped in or they have to kill somebody. So for this particular group of outstanding citizens, it was required of him to take a shot at a rival gang. Another 15-year-old boy that was innocent. So what did he do? Not, not another gang, but just a random, that one. So this 14-year-old boy shot and killed this 15-year-old boy random. No reason whatsoever. Happens probably five times last night in Chicago. We don't hear about it. <clears throat> the boy gets caught and goes to trial. The 15-year-old's mother was in the trial, in the courthouse the entire time, silent. No emotion, no anything for the duration of the entire trial. The 14-year-old boy, the verdict comes in, guilty, five years in prison, because that's what they do in Chicago. The mother which hasn't said a thing, stands up. She's on the front seat of the courtroom, and as they're walking out, the mother stands up, looks him in the eye, and says, I will kill you. Well, I don't care if you're 14 and tough or not. What's that going to do to you? <laughs> Whoa. <clears throat> She's serious. She's been sitting here this whole trial thinking how she can kill me when I get out of jail in five years. So he goes to prison, Guess what? You're going from couch to couch. You have no family and you have no friends to come pr visit you in prison, am I right? One day, this 14-year-old boy gets the notification of a visitor's come to see him that day. <clears throat> Walks up to the glass. Guess who's on the other side? That 15-year-old's mother. Well, <laughs> what are you going to be thinking? So she's sitting there and he sits down. They have a conversation month goes by, he gets another call for a visitor. He goes, sits down, has a conversation with this boy that he's killed's mother. This happened for four years. 
it's looking like he's his set date to be released. And on her monthly trip to visit this boy, the mother says, what are you going to do when you get out? And the boy said, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any family. And she said, are you going to get a job? He said, if, if I can. She lined up a place for this boy that shot her son to get a job. Another month or so goes by, and the release date's getting close. And she said, uh, where are you going to stay? He said, I don't know. She, she got him the job. The job's sitting there waiting for him when he gets out. And she said, where, where are you going to stay? And he said, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure something out. The boy's released, shows up to work at the job that she'd prepared for him. She shows up at his job that day, his first day to work, and said, do you have a place to stay? He said, no, not yet. She said, I've got an empty room. Takes him, goes and picks him up from his job, takes him to her house. The next morning, she gets up, takes him to work, goes and gets him, brings him home. Six, month goes, six months goes by. She brought him home. They, she just made dinner for him. And he's walking through the living room, and she said, hey, wait a minute. She said, do you remember the day in court when I looked at you in the eye and said, I will kill you? He said, I'll never forget that a day in my life. And she said, guess what? He's no longer alive. Think about that. She killed that old boy. Let's look at this verse here, 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 15. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Hey, that new man, he's no longer alive. That's the flesh. The flesh has lusts. The flesh has will. The flesh has wants. Don't live under the power of the flesh. Don't live under the power of you. Don't live under the will of the Gentiles, but live under the will of God the will of Christ. Do you think that boy was better off before or six months after being released from prison? It's a no-brainer. He had no one to care for him. His, his life was not worth anything. But because someone cared for him and someone was willing to make a sacrifice for him, this is a true story, someone was willing to make a sacrifice for him, do you think that was easy for that mother to do? Do you think that after he finally saw that someone had some compassion and that someone finally saw his life was worth something, do you know that's what Jesus Christ does for us? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's not a new suit on the old guy. It's a new guy in the old suit. And that's what being born again is all about. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for the things that I used to do that I don't do. And Lord, that's only because of your grace and your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to this earth and Lord, to, to suffer in the flesh and to shed his blood and to die for me. And Lord, I pray that for someone in here this morning that's not saved, Lord, I, we don't have to have an invitation. Lord, I, I don't know that the Apostle Peter ever did that, Lord, but I pray that they would examine their life, and Lord, if they need a Savior, one has been presented this morning. 
Lord Jesus Christ died in our place and in our stead. And I pray that they would see the significance of that. And Lord, for the Christian in here this morning, Lord, I, I pray that we would look at this and we would ask ourselves if we hang around with downers, Lord, if we hang around with, with dead people on the inside, Lord, that's not good for us, that's not healthy. And Lord, if we're born again, if we're a new creature, Lord, we, we ought not cut ourselves away from the world. Jesus said that we are in the world but not of the world. Lord, we're, we're still called to walk in this world, to walk in this flesh, and Lord, to preach the gospel. And, but Lord, I pray that we would have a new testimony and a new walk because of the new man that lives inside. Lord, it's not easy. This old flesh, we can resurrect it in a hurry, but I pray that you'll help us keep it under subjection. And Lord, as we go out this week, I pray that you would convict each and every one of us, Lord, just to have concern for the dead people that are all around us that we see. And Lord, that we would have a desire to help them become alive, to be born again, to be new again, have this uh, new creature. And Lord, that you would give us the boldness and the Holy Spirit to do so. And Lord, for these young people in here this morning, I, I know it's tough for them to, to go to school and to hang out with friends. And Lord, uh, just to, uh, to live like you would have us. And Lord, we're so easily swayed. And I pray that that wouldn't happen. Lord, that we wouldn't have a rebellious attitude to our parents and we wouldn't think of the things that this flesh wants and we wouldn't just think of the, the things that are for today. But Lord, we would look at the things that are your will and what you would have for us. And Lord, I pray that you would do that for each and every one of us. Lord, I, I'm not, not uh, uh, exempt from that myself, Lord, of hanging around lost people every day. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us uh, to have a good testimony and Lord, to uh, preach the gospel to each and every one of them. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd go with us today and that you would bring us back for services tonight. Keep us safe and watch over us today. And I pray that you'd do that in Jesus' name. Amen.